Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Jazama pajama, pajama jazama. No, damn it. <laughs> And joining us, uh, we have a very special guest, friend of the pod, Lindsay. Hello. <laughs> I wish I would have picked a quote. <laughs> I, I like to picture this being the first episode someone listens to, and they've never seen the movie, and they think that that's just like my catchphrase. Your catchphrase? That would yeah. be good. <laughs> Shalama pajama pajama panama. So sit back relax and grab your uh, royal scepter as we dive into way ahead of you little nemo adventures in slumberland it's a lot of so there's there's lots of things going on in this this here movie film in there royal scepters aside uh, <laughs> magic incantations so before we get into things proper had either of you ever heard of this movie before asked to do it for the pod i had because i remember back a couple of years ago on youtube it got really popular for some reason and a lot of people were reviewing it and i watched all of that sort of stuff and i can remember watching youtubers reviewing it i thought you wanted me to watch <laughs> it... the fish movie the, the orange fish with the little flipper Mm, 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 it's not mm, what this mm, is mm, mm, mm. that's not this one sam if you watch that movie um we're gonna need to take a quick break <laughs> we're gonna have a bit of a problem <laughs> <laughs> for yeah an hour and a half we'll be right back <laughs> and we're back all right <laughs> be the longest hour and a half of your life ever and you have to figure i was just gonna say jazama pajama anyway whether i'd seen that movie or not <laughs> But yeah, this movie, I never seen it. I actually, I tell a lie. It was on at one point at my cousin's house or something along those lines. It was just on. I didn't watch it. But before that movement, I was familiar with it from the NES game, Little Nemo, the Dream Master. It's kind of like a kid chameleon where you go around and you feed monsters candy. And then in the game's parlance, it says, then you may ride them. Which mm. some creatures, some creatures you do in fact ride, but other times you are in the skin of that creature, kind of a la Mario. So you like ride a lizard, but then you see Nemo just wearing the skin like pajamas. So did the game have Impy? The game <laughs> did not have Impy. And if you <laughs> if you don't know about Impy, we'll we'll get back to that in the comic convergence a little later on. Uh, but to. do yourself a favor and just pull up the Wikipedia for Little Nemo, the comic, right now so you maybe have an uh, idea there. I will say I played a little bit of it today to kind of re-familiarize myself because I remember it being really hard and it, it is pretty hard until you know it. But I watched a walkthrough of the game itself on the NES and I have to tell you, infinitely more compelling than this film. <laughs> I had read that it was a pretty highly rated Nintendo game. I think it's funny how different every like piece of media for this thing is. Like that wasn't in the comics, and then anything that's in the movie wasn't in that, and then anything that's in the comics isn't in the movie. It's like mm, and never should they ever meet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Well, you know that was part of the problem with this film. So this movie was released in the states August twenty first, nineteen ninety two, directed by Masama Hata and William. 
T. Hertz, starring in the American version, we have Gabriel Damon as Lil Nemo, Mickey Rooney as Flip, and then Rene uh, Aborjene. That's a wild stab, but uh, he's a famed voice actor as well. He's the Star Trek guy. I didn't see that, but maybe. I believe you. Yeah, he's Odo. Odo. Okay. In this joint, he plays Professor Genius. Of course. <laughs> it's a pretty baller name. Yeah. One of the few tolerable characters. So this was the first anime movie released to a wide American audience. And apparently, they're trying to make it appeal to both Japanese and American audience. So they were going to kind of split production. It was going to be half American and half Japanese. So you have both flavors in there. And then they could release this animated movie to two audiences. But the problem there is when you do that, you often alienate them both. Yes. When you try to make something for everyone, it ends up working for no one. It felt ridiculously Western. I didn't feel any anime vibes from it at all, other than like some scenes where they clearly like copied the Ghibli running animation. But other than that, it was so Western. <laughs> yeah, the, the moments without story felt pretty unique in Japanese. The opening, I thought, was extremely mm-hmm. entertaining, but then it quickly falls off. Speaking of Ghibli, Miyazaki was actually involved with the project for about a year before bailing over getting conflicting instructions from the American and Japanese side. So he later said that it was the worst experience of his career. <laughs> so. Don't blame him. Yeah, this one, um, the budget was really high, and I think it has a lot to do with that they couldn't crack it. They brought in a bunch of high-profile people. They had Gary Kurtz, Chris Columbus, who eventually will go on to uh, Harry Potter franchise movies. Oh, he also directed Home Alone. He did indeed. He's got a decent couple of directing credits. He wrote for uh, Gremlins and Goonies. Dude's all over the place. He's a famed fixer even before all that too. So he called in a favor to raid Bradbury to try to make this one work. And when uh, I saw his name on there, I was I like had hope because he did the Halloween tree, and that's one of my favorite pieces of like children's media out there, like ever. I think it's so good. And I was like, oh, awesome. Maybe this will be like similar to that. And high hopes. <laughs> Dashed. This is a beloved IP. It's involved pretty much everywhere. There's so many different versions, so many people referencing it. There's like a Tom Petty music video that's Adventures in Slumberland. There's a lot of love and a lot of vibrancy in this IP, but this movie took almost a decade to come out. That kind of shows. Before we jump right into the plot, I do want to call out Ray Bradbury was a weird get in the titles, but there was also someone. Now, I believe that this is just an animating job. This is just a job that is probably on most animation. It really stuck out to me. It was Mouth Code. There's a person who was the Mouth Code. If I'm thinking that that's what it is, it's like when they like sync up the dub to the, the mouth movements. Yeah. They did a terrible job. I googled Mouth Code to see if you're right, and all I can find is Mouth.com coupon codes, and now I don't know what Mouth.com is. <laughs> <laughs> mouth.com. Anyhow. <laughs> we open up with the title sequence. Now, there's some differences between the American version and the Japanese version because they had to cut it to uh, get it down to a G rating. I guess there were some spooky parts. And just for timing, there was like a whole pie subplot, which ties the whole promise theme of this movie together. But they cut that in this one. And apparently there was a really trippy opening sequence. And then they had to cut the sex scene, which I think was a good idea. Yeah, Morpheus was getting, he was really getting down and dirty during that that party scene. That It was really a solo 
scene. I don't know if you call it a sex scene. Him and uh, Professor Genius. Him and his, him and his trains. And his royal scepter. <laughs> the royal scepter, the train. The uh, dancing was only the uh, beginning to a longer. Exactly. Segway that was cut out, and thankfully we we were not subjected to that. But yeah, I've drawn up my own. But you know, just to kind of imagine what that might have looked like. <laughs> it's pretty, okay, it's well, pretty crude. I, you know, said said that to us later. Well, we'll look into those on the mini. <laughs> but the opening scenes, we see uh, Nemo drift off to sleep, and then his bed flies up through the air and out through, which I thought was London at first, but apparently uh, it's New York, and he's doing. Some flying around wakes up and realizes he can control the bed and starts doing all kind of fun tricks. I want to let you guys know that I did a uh, a yippee count. Uh huh. Because once he said yippee twice, I knew it was going to come back around, <laughs> and uh, it was seven times throughout the course of the movie they said yippee. Yippee! 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 And you have to take a shot of Nyquil every time thematically appropriate <laughs> to send you to slumberland alternating nyquil and robitus and yes yeah you you will go to either slumberland or nightmareland <laughs> it's a gamble little nemo does his best now this is pod racing all through the new york skies yipping here and there he seemed to really like that when i was a kid flying around on something with no restraints i would not be a fan he was like hanging off the edge in a couple scenes and then I thought, if his bed did have restraints, that would be worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy, well, oh, goodness. I was going to try to pull you out of this by <laughs> saying he does have a sleepwalking problem, but I'm just going to let you sit in that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to cut this part out and mm. just... <laughs> He's, uh, well, you know, I guess it is different. I look back on, you know, my childhood and I feel as though there's lots of life-threatening activities that I thought were a hoot, you know, so... Mm-hmm. It's a different uh, sign there, but yeah, he does fall off that bed about six times. So he's flying his bed hither and thon, and then flies, and he goes up into the clouds, which I thought was really cool. And there's like a spooky abandoned town. I got chills when that, like, I thought everything in the background of this movie was so pretty, and it, like, didn't deserve it. All of the backgrounds were so gorgeous. And that scene especially. The visuals in this one are absolutely amazing, start to finish. The last third, you can kind of tell that they've been mixed up and they're just pushing out as quick as possible. But yeah, Lindsay, this opening sequence is amazing to look at. If you watch anything for this movie, just watch till the first time he wakes up and you can basically turn it off. Because he's in Spooky Town and Spooky Town is great. I love that. He's traced by what I was I could only think of in my mind as a zombie train. The way it kept crashing and coming back. I don't know. It was... Yeah, when it went down in the water. Yeah, and then it, it pops back up. You think it's over and it comes back, which is great dream logic stuff. You know, that's the kind of stuff that happens. It doesn't make any sense, but there it is. Mm -hmm. Now, this next part really made me wonder if James Wan had seen Nemo when he was younger, because there is some very strong insidious vibes when Nemo sees his house off in the void and he flies oh. his bed in. And at the very last second, he gets there and his mom is button eyed dream mom in the kitchen grinding something. <laughs> I was like, what is this supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> Great dream stuff is very spooky. And then he turns and the trains right there and. Eventually, he wakes up. That was the best part of the movie. So if you are watching mm -hmm. now, if this is a commentary, just turn it off. And <laughs> whatever you imagine the rest would be is going to be much better than what actually is. Undeniably. And that was our episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching.
Much like this movie, it was only a nightmare. Nemo was, um, does he wake up here and his mom blames him for the pie or is he waking up sleepwalking here? I can't exactly remember. He wakes up hanging off his bed. Yeah, he like falls on the floor. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. There was this pie sneaking bit this whole time and I guess that's where this would be where his mom gets mad at him and makes him promise not to eat a pie and that comes back later. My question. Sure. If he has problem sleepwalking and eating pie and whatnot, why does she keep making pie? Why does she keep like an active stock of pie? Yeah, and she keeps it like in the fridge with a note pinned to the fridge that says, remember your promise. Like, just don't put it in the fridge. Put it somewhere he can't get it. Put it somewhere else. Up one shelf. It's not very tall. These are tests that were made for Nemo to fail. <laughs> right, right. It, they're <laughs> exactly. teaching him about temptation and responsibility, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a bright, sunny morning. Nemo throws on his best duds, his little knickers, which I did enjoy. <laughs> and um, he grabs his pet squirrel, Icarus. Mm, oh, my yes. God. Who looks uh, cute as hell. Obviously for kids, named after the mm-hmm. Greek myth where Daedalus puts wings on the back of his child, Icarus, with wax. Sort of teach about hubris not to fly too close to the sun because it will melt your wings off your back or too low because your wings will get soiled, so... Pretty good lesson in there about hubris, I think. I think that the mom is so worried about him going after the pie, and yet she let him sleep in his bed with that little rat. Yeah, that's fine. When you start seeing it, it's outside. It's not like an indoor pet. Like, that is a squirrel that is outside doing stuff with other squirrels. Like, it is not safe or healthy to be sleeping in the bed. Yeah, I think a lot of his nightmares could be, maybe aren't because of the pie, but are because of the uh, very many diseases he now has. He has a rodent disease. Yeah, he's, yeah, that he's sounds, rabid. That does track. <laughs> yeah, he's rabid. That, you know, he's very afraid of the water, so that makes sense. True. Yeah. So there's a big parade in town, and Icarus and Nemo go to see it, and there's a bunch of colorful characters, all of which, Wizard of Oz style, you'll see later on. So all the main characters are here. There's that juggling clown that, like, bowls Nemo over, and, like, the crowd just laughs. I'm like... He's like a a little kid. He just got thrown to the ground by an adult. Good. Just bodied right to the ground. But he's not guiltless because he gets picked up by the Morpheus character and he spins Icarus around by his tail, which is like the least cool thing you could probably do to a squirrel. I mean, yeah. (laughs) He he goes from being, you lose all uh, sympathy for him because you're right. He gets a flower. From a girl on an elephant, he gets knocked down, he gets picked back up and gets put on the horse, and his the crowd cheers for him, and the first thing he does is grab what he frequently refers to as his best friend <laughs> and just gives him a woo. <laughs> he, he, he spins him around his head like a helicopter, to quote, uh, to, to, to quote the old poet. Squirrel! All right, thank you very much for that explanatory musical interlude. I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. Who am I, Petey Bob, motherfucker? A little rude, but I get it. (laughs) Nemo comes home. He's all psyched. There's a circus in town. He says, Dad, can we go to the circus? And he's like, ah, no, I got got stuff to do. So Dad's out of here. I don't understand why he didn't ask his mom. She's like there she's not going anywhere she's clearly a housewife like why can't she take him to the circus she hasn't been able to go out into the sun since the accident (laughs) they they don't tell you that but you never see her face (laughs) but yeah that's it we gotta skip this day because it sucks we gotta get right to that night when this little fool is asleep so nemo goes to sleep but he is woken up in the middle of the night by some strange guests who stroll in through the window it's professor genius and bonbon 
and they bring Nemo a mission from King Morpheus, king of Slumberland, and Princess Camille, and he's to be the official playmate of the princess. And now Nemo goes into this bit, which I bring up, and it's interesting because it was carried over almost word from word into the video game as well. But he says, This princess is a girl? I've never played with a girl. She's a princess. Doesn't matter. She's still a girl. Has he, like, never gone to school? That is that? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's 1905. Because even if there's no girls at his school, there has to be. Like a neighbor. We also have mentioned his own squirrel-born illnesses, too. So he may be homeschooled. (laughs) That is true. He may be. I mean, with his mom who hasn't gone outside since the accident. (laughs) And his terrible squirrel disease. I've created a way better movie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't watch it. The movie that we'll lie to you about is going to be much better. But he's off, baby. He's got some reservations. But then they give him some cookies. And he pops a couple of Jamie Dodgers and rides on a dirigible. That's exactly like his. I can't believe he has never played with a girl, but he knows what a dirigible is. Maybe that's the reason he's never played with a girl. It's just weird the way they phrase it. I don't know. It's a strange interaction. And even more strange that it's word for word in the video games, the opening (laughs) sequence. I thought it was weird the way they pronounced dirigible. Yeah. I kept saying like, The king even sent his own personal dirigible. A dirigible? A real dirigible? Why are they saying it like that? For a while, I was like, cocking my head like what did they just say and then they showed it and i was like oh oh a dirigible they're putting the emphasis all on the wrong syllable another great lesson for kids king morpheus is the greek god of dreams Mm -hmm. nemo was named for the latin which means no one i assume that camille is supposed to be chamomile (laughs) like chamomile tea (laughs) (laughs) could be that's probably just the way he hears it Ooh, there we go i like that i would like to proceed though into into slumberland assuming that these are all real people and not just figments of nemo's imagination Okay. Because it creates a little bit more of an interesting thing that they have their own free will inside his brain. Oh, okay, okay. So the, yeah. these are these are sentient inhabitants. These are real, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Sapient, even. Sapient? Sentient? I, what, I said sentient. That means that they think. And I said sapient. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> Isn't that sapient. mean like a, like a sapien? Relating to the human species. Okay, yeah, like like us. Yeah. Flesh and bone. Wise. Hom- or attempting homo- to appear wise. Homo dreamus. They have their own... Let's get to the bottom of it right now. Sentient just means able to perceive or feel things. Okay. Wise. Sapient. Able to create their own thought. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think sentient means like a thing that can like perceive and understand. So here we go. The main difference between sentience and sapience is that the sentience is a capacity to feel, perceive, or experience subjectively. Okay. And sapience is a deep understanding of or knowledge of a subject. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I see what you're saying. So. Sapient. So there we go. <laughs> they be people. <laughs> they are actually divergent. Right. Because if I say that Nemo just imagined that a king gave him a scepter, it, it, it takes away from me saying that king is insane to give this child the scepter. That kind of thing. I see. I see. <laughs> so you just want to establish up front. Obviously, a a child would dream up an insane thing like that to happen, but it takes something out of it, I think. This world has existed before Nemo. We're meant, mm-hmm. I, I, I think cool we're world. meant to believe. It's cool world. Yeah, yeah. He, he's already been. Despite them, everybody in the world knowing who Nemo is and being very excited for his arrival, despite not knowing anything about him. <laughs> True. But then already being able to name him a prince. It's a figment of his imagination. We know this, but mm-hmm. I like to think of them as different characters. 
Because they're at odds with each other. I was kind of headcanning it to be that he was like in the parlay and it's like a dream walker. Yes. He's, okay. what's the word for when you... Dream warrior. Yeah, like in Freddy 3. So he's basically lucid dreaming. He's like flying around and doing yes. stuff. So maybe that yeah. has brought him to the attention. To the astral plane. That makes sense. Yeah, so he, he's having these out-of-body experiences, so maybe that brought him to the attention of this. But it does seem like they're really putting a whole lot on him. So they've brought Nemo to Slumberland. First, we think that he's going to be Camille's, the princess's playmate. She needs some children to be around, so here's Nemo. But then it turns out, no, this dude is taking over. He's been in Slumberland once, just, just right now, and he is, like, taking over. To be the heir to the throne whenever the king very clearly has... A daughter. A daughter. <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, there's already an heir. And she's got to be at least 10 times as capable <laughs> as Nemo. That's why I choose to think that... And proves to be. Right, and that's why I choose yeah. to think that these are all are people that exist in this dreamland and not just Nemo's imagination because they're all better than he is. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're giving Nemo way more credit than he's due because they get on the dirigible and... They let him drive that through the nightmare zone. <laughs> they let this fool drive immediately! Just because he knows... the what is, They were in some room and the guy's like, oh, this is the... It's the wheelhouse! The, the wheelhouse, and they're like, oh, clearly... Oh, you know it all. Clearly, you know what you're doing. Hop on up here, baby. Drive this sucker. He fucks it up, flies into the nightmare zone, then they go into the crystal cloud, and then they're safe. That was some, like, real little kid stuff. I'm like, oh, no, we're in the nightmare zone. Quick, fly into the crystal cloud. Yeah, with the two, like, red eyes in the background. Pretty spooky, though. I did enjoy that. It was spooky right up front. There's a hint of menace all the time, which is... Very Japanese. It's very anime. They don't, their kids' stuff always has looming consequence, which is something I mm-hmm. enjoy. It's just a little bit of menace. And they took out more of that menace to make it applicable for children in the US whose tender brains would be too spookified. Uh, <laughs> but they get there. There's a huge celebration. Professor Genius takes Nemo to sing the king, but he's missing. And then we get to see the kind of anti-hero, antagonist, reverse Jiminy Cricket, Flip. <laughs> What'd you guys think of Flip's look? Yep, the cigar-smoking crow-piloting clown. That's the one. So the king, the princess, and Flip are all characters in the original comic. So Flip, yeah, he's a cigar-smoking... This is Mickey Rooney voice this character. He's about as shady as it comes. He's basically just like temptation writ large, and he kind of leads Nemo in all these zany adventures. He gets there, and the very first thing he does is, like, fucks off and does the thing that they tell him not to do. And he goes, mm-hmm. he goes fooling around with Flip. But eventually it works out, and Nemo finds the king in his train room. Yet again, his expertise on toys basically lets him inherit a whole kingdom. I wish they had give us an inch of something on that. Just an inch, like back at home, like he was building a toy train or something. Just anything, so it wasn't like... There may have been a toy train on the ground. I know that in the, <laughs> the nightmare train, obviously, it was looming large in the intro scene. Yeah. Yeah, he picks it up, He said, and then there's like one on the floor, and he says, oh, my train. But yeah, I think I would have liked that if we could have got a little opening, just under the credits, you know, just like show him like working on his toys, giving him any skill. Yeah. Yeah, Anything that shows that he has any kind of character at all would be, would have been great. Do we know what his dad does for a living? Maybe he's a train conductor. He has meetings. 
is um <laughs> oh train conductors don't have meetings no they have they have a schedule but and he does have a fancy pocket watch but no but maybe he used to be a train conductor before the accident oh so the there's story. a tie in there yeah i mean trains play a big part right and so he's taking interest in his dad's old job his dad quit like a coward because he horribly disfigured his mom <laughs> something like that Right, right, right. We'll workshop it. We're almost there, though. Okay, yeah, well, let's, let's, keep, let's keep that. We can bring that and see if we can bring that back in okay. later on. Roll it back around. Yeah, so Nemo is given undue praise as the king. After he, they have a fun little train ride, he basically says, hey, you're going to inherit this kingdom because my daughter's a woman, and obviously she can't be in charge. <laughs> <laughs> So he gives Nemo this key. It's like in the shape of a dragon. And he says, this will open any key in the kingdom. But the only thing, you get to literally inherit an entire reality. (laughs) Don't do this one thing, which is open the door that looks like this key. Literally, that's it. So then he and Flip go to that door, immediately open it. I timestamped it. It was 17 minutes between promise and opening the door. (laughs) Okay. There's a sequence there, at least. You know what really kind of irked me about that key was that the king was like, you can open any door in the castle. And he and Flip go through this whole chase scene and not a single door that he could have, like, used that fucking key on. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what King Morpheus doesn't tell you. <laughs> There's only one door in the castle. <laughs> so technically, he's still right. Yeah, there's a setup there, and they did not follow through. He never... He didn't use it for any other door. He loses it in 17 minutes. They do some Scooby-Doo bullshit where they hide behind the pillars and they chase... And then they abuse Flip's crow, whose name <laughs> is, uh, this is a pretty good gag, Flap. So they're flipping Flap. I like that. Uh, but this is not all before he does meet the princess. In between getting the key and then fucking off with Flip again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the sequence because he meets the princess. I call that uh, Meet Cootie because he thinks girls got cooties. Ah, uh-huh. I get that. It's not uh, really good. It's not a good one, but I, I <laughs> cut that out. I wasn't trying real hard this time. I was like, I was barely awake for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say meat cootie is a little bit better than over the the meat cute meat cute. I disagree. I think meat cute meat cute was really good <laughs> in reference to meat, actual M E A T meat. Right. Anyway, there's that weird tour scene where she gives him the tour of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And they end up in some balls floating around. Yeah, and the frog that drives them. Yes, the frog stuff. who drives the goat cart. <laughs> also, when they meet the, for the very first time, I do want to get past this. She roasts him so fucking bad. So hard. I agreed. Both of them. She's like, he's a rat and you're in your fucking PJs, you dork. <laughs> I hated his outfit. She's right to do so, right? This dude is the heir to the kingdom that she has every right to have. She should have been the well, villain by the end. I would have. To be fair, Nemo is also being a kind of a little punk this whole time. Yeah. Truly. He's but like yelling at her. She's a princess. They were trying to get at the combative relationship between, you know, boys and girls of an age. Like most things in this movie, the conflict stops within two minutes. They Mm -hmm. set up a conflict, then it's immediately resolved. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Maybe over the course of this next montage, they could have been becoming friends, but no, they just immediately say, no, we're friends now, let's have a montage. And this is where you get the frogs and the goats. And then they get butt naked and they go into those fuzzballs. Yeah. Which is pretty cool, I guess. So I was looking up uh, images for my, for like the virtual background. I found a really cool pic of... Impy? No. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it was Flip and Nemo standing in front of the big spooky door, and, and I wanted to make that the, my virtual background, but uh, I forgot this and that. But anyhow, there's no real cool pick of Impy. Disparagingly, <laughs> if you type in Little Nemo Adventures in, in Slumberland and then just go Google image to like immediately image them in the fuzzballs is like number three. <laughs> That's terrible. They get rained on because the weather nymphs are jealous that they're having too much fun. So it rains on them. Then they go and take off their clothes and get in fuzzballs. And that's number four on the on the Google image search. So <laughs> <laughs> right by my drawing of King Morpheus. <laughs> Welcome to the Internet. Put your cares aside. Here's a tip for straining pasta. Here's a nine year old who died. We got movies and doctors and fantasy sports and a bunch of colored pencil drawings of all the different characters in Harry Potter f***ing each other. Welcome to the internet. Hold on to your socks. Cause the random <laughs> your sketches of Morpheus. <laughs> yes, the Rule 34 Morpheus. Oh, God. <laughs> you ever hear shipping Morpheus and Professor Genius? And the scepter. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the scepter. Well, obviously the real scepter. There's a different incantation. There's multiple yes. incantations. Don't say it backwards. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So they have a fun tour, and then Nemo has to get learned up in the ways of being a prince. So he gets some schooling, some etiquette, some dance, some fencing. There's a musical number. Those waiters have a pretty unsettling visage. I agree. I The second I saw them, I was, like, really off-put. Something about their face, like, didn't like their faces didn't match the back of their head. Long pink noses yeah. and white faces. I think what they were going for here is they were trying to replicate the look of the style of the original comic because it's got real Mm -hmm. like 1900s advertisement vibes, you know, the weird distended features and long pinstripe kind of pant look. These sequences, there's lots of animation going on. And yet again, there's so much, there's all these waiters, there's a fencing, there's books falling over, all hand-drawn, all looking flawless. I just have Mm -hmm. to say, there's no stuttering. Never a moment where it felt like because sometimes in animation, especially older animation, the hand-drawn and hand-plated, the characters sometimes don't have the proper weight and momentum, and it just kind of feels like they're loosey-goosey. Talking about Cool World, those characters, that none of them have a physics that applies to them. All through all the zany stuff that's going on, it has all the attention to detail of a Japanese anime mm-hmm. with the whimsicalness of an American Disney style. And they do make Nemo dance in a motorboat style with that woman. Uh, <laughs> yes. Head between, several times. head between breasts. Encompassed in the bosom. And I did want to give props to whoever had to write the lyrics for the song because I really like this line. I like rewound it like three times. <laughs> okay. You've got to get some etiquette in the way you ride a steed. So, of course, a course in horsemanship is exactly what you need. And I thought that was dope. That's a really good. That's a really good line. Not too I think that's shabby. The, like the only good song in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like any other song. No. The opening song sounded like the woman was just giving a list of descriptors about Little Nemo, exactly. and they just push play and say, "Sing whatever." So she's like, "Little Nemo, go to sleep, right on a bed. Little Nemo, dreams of sheep, dream a dream." That's the whole thing. It's bad but this song yeah that's that's pretty clever this was the best musical number yeah i agree kind of like the only musical number it took me a little bit by surprise that we were doing musicals (laughs) but hey there's the one of the goblins oh yeah or whatever the yeah the goblins the good goblins are great 
I wonder if that was one of the American studio notes. Like, we've got to have a couple of musical numbers and some montages. The kids love the musicals. Kids love a song about etiquette. (laughs) 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 This is where Flip and him get into the shenanigans. Flip, he puts Mm -hmm. his hat and coat on Nemo and he says, ah, Flip Jr. is born. And I thought that the adoption process in Slumberland is a bit lax. (laughs) (laughs) For the fact when he first gets there, everybody knows who Nemo is. But after he puts the hat and coat on him, the guards, there's like kind of some mumble talk in the background. Someone says, look, there's two of them now. Yeah. Well, this is some childish logic that you can attach to that, right? Where you're like, oh, I put on my dad's coat and hat. I'm my dad now. Nobody can tell the difference. Yeah, okay. That's true. These are the things that make him look different from everyone else to me. Well, hey, Sam, I gotta say. (laughs) You're on to something. You've got the introspection down on this. I think it may be the fact that it took you uh, about five months to watch this movie. I've been watching five minutes a day. <laughs> Do the math. It's a really tough watch the whole way through. It was extremely <laughs> draining. And I didn't finish it till this morning. I had to resist the urge to take a nap in the middle of it, I will say. Well, again, thematically appropriate. You wanted to go to Slumberland. And this is all still the first half hour. We'll get through the second. So fast. Because almost nothing happens. It's just cuts and cuts and cuts. Yeah, it was, again, exhausting. <laughs> they do the thing. They unlock the door. The spooky stuff's inside. Flip runs off and Nemo gets scared and he can't get the key back. But he makes it back just in time for coronation because, yeah, they're basically crowning him the heir tonight. And he's been heir for 20 minutes and it's fucked up. It's totally ruined. (laughs) So he gets there just in time. And then the King Morpheus tells him that he will not only be the heir, but he will be charged with protecting Slumberland from the Nightmare King. And then the king shows off the power of the scepter and does his ramalama shamamba damba ding dong this is after a bunch of dudes strip nemo naked and change him into prince clothes Wow, that's just montage stuff. I wrote it down, though. It's Jazama, Pajama, Pajama, Jazama, Kanira, Kazam, Amira, Tazam, Raja, Paja, Jazam, (laughs) Shazama, Pajama, Pajama. Kudos to you for actually figuring out what he said. When he spoke, I was like, that is gibberish. It was. (laughs) It is. So here's the thing. I understand exactly what they're going for. Which is fine, because mm-hmm. all the words, they sounded the same, and there's pajama in there a couple times. It's just gibberish mm-hmm. words. Oh, yeah. The problem is, the problem with that is they say it fucking a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, it's way too long. <laughs> like If it was like just three words, and he couldn't remember the third word, that would have done just fine. Instead, it was 18 words. That all sound exactly the same. Right. There's no way to follow it. There's no way as a listener, it just sounds like he's saying bullshit even if he's doing it right. And when he does do it at the end, he is just saying bullshit. He's not saying it the way he's supposed to say it. No, he just keeps saying Jazama Pajama. That's probably yeah. just the, the poor voice actors like, I can't, I'm not reading this. This kid's like six at the time. <laughs> Can I just keep saying Shazama Pajama? <laughs> yeah, I'm nine, sir. <laughs> <laughs> So the coronation goes down. The king shoots off a big old bolt, and he just mm-hmm. really lets loose and does a big sky blast. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and then says, hey, fuck it, let's dance, baby. As you do. Best scene in the movie. It is a great scene. It's the, the Professor Genius starts to dance, and King Morpheus will not be outdone. He basically says as much. And uh, the corruption starts to take over the party, but the king, way too hyphy to notice. <laughs> He's, well, he's got way... those high sandals. They're they're strapped <laughs> up to his thighs. He's basically in like leather daddy outfit with a robe on top. He's got his twink right next to him. What else does he need? <laughs> yeah, he's shredding. Oh, We're gonna, man. There's going to be a freaking Morpheus subreddit by the end of this episode. <laughs> Sam's typing it up. I can see him typing it up right now. I can see your screen. I got a few stories already written in the can, so to speak. The goop shows up, grabs the king. And spirits him away, leaving Nemo really on the hook here. Everybody finds out that he fucked up big time. And then... But he doesn't. He's back in bed, but he doesn't because he's still dreaming. Okay, so I wanted to take a quick... Inception part one. Yes, so... (laughs) His mom has to kick him into the tub. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's not a strong enough kick. So let me ask you guys this. This is kind of a waking up while in... And then waking up into another dream is uh, one of my scariest childhood nightmares because I watched about 35 seconds of Nightmare on Elm Street on like TBS at uh, age nine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that fucked me up for a solid month. So I woke up in a dream within a dream. And then I was supposed to go, I was getting ready for school. I woke up, ah, dream's done. And I opened my drawer and there's a Freddy Krueger's glove in there. So that was one of my scares. You guys have a spooky. But then you woke up and Freddy Krueger's glove really was there. Because you're Freddy Krueger. And that was how you found out. Yeah, I also had the tape. My two reference points for Nightmare on Elm Street before I was maybe 23 or 4 were that 30 seconds of TBS footage I watched. And also on the Fresh Prince cassette tape, he had a novelty song, Nightmare on My Street. Where he rapped right. about him and Jesse <laughs> Jeff being haunted by Freddy Krueger. So those were my okay. two touch points. And I was very afraid of him. So, well, the question was, uh, scary dreams we remember that, yeah, that affected us? Yes, yes. I get, I get two. There's one in my dream. I'm in my living room, and I'm looking out the front door. And there's like a real creepy dude coming around the corner. I know he has to round the porch to get to the front door at my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And he's slowly walking and I have time while he's rounding the bend to go and lock the door, but I can't move. So Ah. I'm just like perfectly stuck. Pair that with sleep paralysis when you wake up and you like still can't move. There you go. That's a freaky one. And there's one where I'm riding my bike down my parents' street and I never rode my bike. I never rode a bike really, let alone down my parents' street. But in my dream, I'm riding a bike. You guys are inside kids. Right. So I'm riding a bike down the street and there's like a not so steep hill near there and it just progressively gets way steeper. Ah. And then I wake up. Mine was, I can remember this vividly. For some reason, my mom and I were walking to my preschool. This is how old this dream is. We were walking to my preschool and a mountain lion comes out of nowhere. We're talking about like kids, like crazy dreams. This is exactly it. Like tackles me to the ground and is like over top of me. And my mom's, like, coming at it, like, swinging her purse. And, like, that's when I wake up. And I had that nightmare, like, eight times when I was a kid. It was ridiculous. Wow. You think the Wild Kratts gave you that? <laughs> <laughs> Never watched the Wild Kratts, so I, I certainly wouldn't think so. It's interesting. I do like that you both had very experiential dreams. So Sam on the bike, 
I always like to think of dreams as your brains running different scenarios. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I'll have a dream where I, I'm in the backseat of a car and the driver passes out. So it's like trying to problem solve. So what would you do if you were on that steep hill and you couldn't stop? Or what would you do if you were attacked by a mountain lion? <laughs> So I imagine a young you had learned about mountain lions at school or something and was like, oh, it's a cat. What would go to eat me? What would I do? And you're just trying to hack. Your brain's just trying (laughs) to solve that. And it's like, no, just keep dying. (laughs) Well, here's the thought experiment. What do you do if somebody passes out in the front seat and you're in the back seat? Do you jump out and let that person coast? What would you Press their leg. Press his leg. But what if his leg's on the gas? I reach over immediately and grab the steering wheel and then try to transfer from the back seat to, to like ah. get my foot on the brake. But I normally don't make it that far because I like run somebody over in the process and I wake up. You wake up and Yikes. you're in the middle of the road <laughs> covered in blood. <laughs> what happened to my car? I must have hit a deer. That's what it was. It was a deer. I just hit a deer on the way home. Got to burn this car. <laughs> so yeah that's what happened to my ford festiva <laughs> okay so he wakes up in his dream nemo's inceptioning it he's in a dream in a dream baby and he's got the scepter so that's how you know is that how you know or do we just find out that nemo already had the scepter all along i didn't like that because like when he <laughs> is in the bed and he finds the scepter he's like oh, oh shit i saw the scepter and then he gets sucked away by the water that clearly like drowns him and mm. when he finds professor genius again he like just pulls it out from under the covers Mm -hmm. what no (laughs) that thing is (laughs) gone you don't have a scepter compartment in your mattress (laughs) 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 i always keep mine locked up in there tight just in case the water comes up to my bedroom his bed's a little magic because in that first sequence he loses his pillow and his sheet as soon as he starts flying and then later he has the sheet again so there's lots of stuff in there it's kind of got a bag of holding situation Nemo gets back to Slumberland just as Flip is about to be banished into space. In a cannonball. Oh, God, I wish that was me. I'd love that part. (laughs) How cool is that? Pretty cool way to die. I love that the cannonball is still, like, fun and, like, decorated. They put stars on it, so (laughs) when he's been blasted into space, he'll at least be a star. And he's still smoking his cigar when they capture him in there, and it's like all the smoke comes out. Yeah, he's hotboxing in there big time. (laughs) Nemo mentions that they can't spend him in this space because he's got a map of Nightmare Land, which is where he needs to go with the scepter to kill the Nightmare King to save Morpheus. So they let him out, and then he he keeps talking shit, and the princess fucking lays him out. This is probably Dexum. my favorite scene in the movie. She just blasts him. And yet she can't be the heir to the kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, she's... She can handle her business. Exactly. She's getting shit done. That's what I'm saying. She is getting shit done. They get going. Flip's going to lead them to the Nightmare Castle. Nemo's going to use the scepter to blast the Nightmare King. So they get on a boat journey. Flip falls asleep literally at the wheel. And they crash in a whirlpool that leads directly into Nightmare Land. And they do this a couple of times where they go through water and underneath the water, they pop out into something mm-hmm. else, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. Again, some cool dream logic stuff. I was yeah, like, how fast you described the boat scene is how fast it happened in, in the movie. Like yeah. it was like that, like they weren't on the boat. They were on the boat. They were off of the boat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was quite jarring. Now the cuts are going to start coming fast and furious. Literally, the next thing I wrote is the last scene. (laughs) (laughs) It's all jazz here, baby. 
The cuts happen about as quickly as the princess's accent comes and goes. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Because sometimes she'll lose her accent mid-sentence. She'll be talking, well, we have to head to the Nightmare Castle. Flip, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's just putting Jarring. on an affectation there. Mm-hmm. There's not much more that happens. They meet some bad goblins. Those were scary. Those were scary. I have in my notes manta ray, question mark, question mark, question mark, because yeah. the random ass manta ray that was- There's a flying manta ray. In the sky, spying mm-hmm. on them. Where the fuck- What's sad is, <laughs> I completely forgot about that, and I just watched it. He's there right then, and he, he'll come back later, but he's like a spy. He's also yeah. one of the villains in the video game. One of the bosses. Okay, okay. Good. There's a little bit of a, a storyline. <laughs> a through line. I was actually, when I was watching the walkthrough, I was like, oh, the Manta. <laughs> he had more character in the video game as well. They escape away from the bad goblins. They see bad goblins, then they see good goblins. Flip looks at his map and realizes that it all got washed away in the water. So he's trying to like recreate the map in the middle of the woods. And he's like, oh, well, then I ha- if we're here in the woods, we go up here we're for the castle. And then there's a tree behind him that says, like, no, you got to go up here. And then you realize that the tree is the shape-shifting good goblins. They're fun. I like these guys. The oompies. What I got from them, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but did they start out as bad goblins, and then they just really hate their boss so much that they're like, well, it's not fun anymore, so we're good now? Yeah, they were like, we can't be bad. Like, we are trying to be nightmare goblins, but we, like, just don't want to. Like, we're not good at it. I feel that in my bones. Their little song they sing is kind of like they are police dogs mm-hmm. that are too nice, is basically. Because they're like, we've tried and tried, but we can't scare anybody. Kind of like a Monsters, Inc. situation. Yeah, I see it as people that are like, they're doing the job they were born to do until their boss beats it out of them, that it's what they're supposed to be doing. So much so that they're like, fine, <laughs> I guess we're figuring out a new way to be a goblin, which I can we'll dig. Put that into, we'll put that into the storyline with the yeah. train conductor That's, that's the storyline I've created. <laughs> It's Slumberland. There's alternate dreams and storylines and realities. Why not? These guys have a little bit of character, at least. But then, like you said, they set it up. They're like, hey, we're going to help you. Our friend's still in the castle, so we need to get back in there anyhow. We're going to head with you. They go to sleep. So this is interesting. They set up camp and go to sleep. What happens when you go to sleep in Slumberland? Because I didn't think that that would be something that they needed to do. But FIP is like, man, I got to get some sleep. Well, whenever they fall asleep, they become the clowns in real life in the circus. Oh, shit. They enter the real world. <gasps> That's morning. Oh, my That's God. morning. That's morning. Wow, you hacked it. You solved it. <sighs> Flip goes back to being that circus clown that yeah. loves hurting children. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Not only does he love hurting children, the town loves to see children get hurt. We found Dave's new Halloween costume for this year. And Dave loves children getting hurt, so. <laughs> he does love to see that, so that's that's fun to put in there. Yeah, it's kind of his thing. So Dave, flip, we'll have to see it. It'll be a challenging costume to pull off. To say the least. <laughs> God. <laughs> to say the least. Then there's spooky flying monkeys, and I gotta say, the design on these guys is pretty great. Yeah, they're like bats, too. They're like monkeys and bats, so it wasn't all one thing. So I like that they had two different kinds of like things going after them, because it kind of like... It didn't make everything all look like pushed together because you could tell the different things apart. Yeah, they're really playing in that nightmare space. I feel like that's when the animators started getting interested again because the evil goblins look really great too. Mm -hmm. So I guess the good goblins are called like oops or oofs or something like that. I think it's oof. Oompy, oompa, oompo. Oofs, maybe. Or something. 
the rest of the gang. So Professor Flip and the princess all get got by the monkeys. But Nemo ends up back in his room. And then when he wakes up again, all of the good goblins were in level three. We're in the third dream. Now, this time, if Nemo wakes up again, it's going to be like a couple of centuries. I don't know how it works. <laughs> all of the oofs are now in bed with Nemo. And then all of a sudden, another one just falls out of the ceiling. They don't have to rescue him. He just showed up. That was the biggest cop-out, in my opinion. They have to go to this nightmare castle to save... The only reason why these people are here at all is to save their friend, to go to the nightmare castle to save their friend. Now they've got their friend. I mean, I guess since everybody was coming to help them, they're going to continue the journey, but... Just the same, there was like zero stakes involved in saving that. And then they're just along because he appears and then they're like, hey, man, we're with you to the end now. You didn't actually help us at all. No. You didn't do anything. But like he's here now. You woke us up into your bedroom. and The last one does have a good look. I feel like they had something there, but they like couldn't fit it in or like it got cut. You know what's crazy? For something. So here's where we see the wiggly bed legs, and they're going back to the Nightmare Castle. The bed comes alive again, and instead of flying this time, it just grows really long legs, which is a cool bit. We're having fun again. And then they all kind of, all of the oofs, their power is is that they can, like, morph together, and they all, like, smush together and become that bed restraint you were speaking of earlier. And they grab Nemo. (laughs) Yeah, right. Their goopy body holds him as they walk for a little bit and then they fly. But this other oomph brings with him a cheat sheet that has the incantation on it that they need to kill the Nightmare King. Ex Machina. (laughs) Exactly. But two. Where like he just, the dude shows up. Two plot pieces just arrive. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, how, how do we get him to know this incantation? Well, what if this good goblin got a note from the king who we see? Well, I guess he wasn't frozen yet at that point. Okay, I mean, here's cold, what else. Right. What if when Camille and Professor Genius show up, they get captured, they show up in the place, he's like, oh shit. And they maybe mention that he's with the good goblins. So he's like, all right, I can use my last bit of magic, Heimdall style from Infinity War, and I'm going to shoot the big oof with my note. Because <laughs> he's packing a less than royal scepter. I mean, he was chained up. Well, he's got a royal beard, so, but that's the only way I could think, but yeah, literally, they just, like, he's been holding that scepter for a long time, a lot of that magic has to have transferred into his, exactly, it's like uh, Lord of the Rings stuff, if you're with the ring, you you live, like, Bilbo lives a long time, he's had this, so he, he has enough power to move that dude, but not enough to move himself. Yeah, he's got the juice for one last thing. He does the note, sends him back. He's only got enough m- m- MP left for one gremlin and a piece of paper. <laughs> not one enough teleport for, spell. Not enough for a whole dream king. No. Yeah, he can't. He can't get off. Beef. He can't get off a of fire raga. <laughs> so they fly in. They sneak in through the basement, and then we get a look at the Nightmare King, which is yet again the animators having fun. The Nightmare mm-hmm. King is cool. This is a cool boss. Anyhow, they get caught, and then the battle commences. Now, here's where that manta ray comes back. Nemo's got the paper. He's charging his Kamehameha up, but the manta comes in and interrupts him, and he gets a little bit of the incantation, like just kind of like three or four words deep, and he's got a lightsaber effect, and he slices this baby mm-hmm. big time. <laughs> oh, and yeah, he, he's, he, he's kept saying uh, pajama, jazama, jazama, pajama. This is... This is just when it happens for 20 minutes. And then the Nightmare King says, oh, 
pajamas do scare me so and i thought that was a cool line <laughs> that was a good one <laughs> but eventually with everybody's help he's able to read the cheat sheet and he gets off the final blast and nukes the nightmare king and destroys all nightmare nightmare land is no more uh, but it, it took yeah it, it he didn't have enough mp for this cast so it was fatal and it kills him and that's the end and that's and the credits it. roll in my fan edit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the better movie. I will say that is the much better movie, but the king picks up the scepter and brings it back to life. Blah, blah, blah. Everybody's happy. Nemo fesses up and he says, I didn't keep my promise. It's just like the pie. But he's like, well, you finally killed the Nightmare King, so it's totally chill. All's well, it ends well. <laughs> yeah. I, I had something in my notes here. I didn't even know that when the Nightmare King is like, he shows him everybody in like the little chambers there, and he goes, "I there's one more thing else in my collection I want to show you." Oh, oh shit! I expected it to be pie. Like I, really... <laughs> oh, that would have been good. I expected like pie to come like down from the ceiling, and when it was Morpheus, I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I really thought they're gonna tie the fucking pie back. The temptation, been... right? Yeah. Gotta see, that would have been a good movie. See. The squirrel Icarus does fly too close to the sun whenever he's shot towards the Nightmare King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's holding the paper and he does take the brunt of the blast. I thought at least Icarus would be dead, but everybody's fine. What, are you think um, I kill someone in this movie? I don't know. It's anime, man. <laughs> that might be one of the production conflicts. Okay, so <laughs> Miyazaki really wanted to kill that squirrel. <laughs> he, God, he'd love to kill that fucking squirrel. It's like, why, why does it have a hat? If the squirrel dies at the end, I'm in. That was where his sticking point. He's like, well, I, I got the whole scene drawn out already, and if you don't want it, I'm out of here. It was very charming in such a way that humanizes Icarus and makes you really care that he died. You know, And his terrible voice. Mm-hmm. The, the goblins, at some point, whenever Icarus talks, they like recoil in pain, and I'm like, yeah, same. <laughs> this is same. awful. I hate this. Icarus! So they take the airship back to New York. There is... And an extremely awkward smooch between the princess yeah. and Nemo. Their lips grow 20 sizes too big <laughs> mm-hmm. and touch their back in the real world. And guess what? Time for the circus. And to speak to Sam's earlier point, he gets out of bed with his squirrel, in his flying squirrel that was in his bed. And dad says, guess what? We're going to the circus, my dude. And he says, can I bring Icarus? He's like, hell yeah, bring that squirrel. <laughs> then you realize he's still in a dream. Yes. And then he... He's actually been dead the whole time. Right? It's like it's exactly like the end of Inception where, you know, you see the top is about to fall over, but... Mm-hmm. It wobbles. You don't see it because it cuts to the credits while Nemo's going to the circus. But really, his dad always tells him he's going to the circus when he's taking him to the doctor for his blood transfusions because he is <laughs> rabid. There we go. Yeah, he has to... <laughs> Of course we're going to the circus. Yeah, bring that mangy little squirrel. We need a sample of his blood as well. (laughs) My final note on this movie is, oof, and I'm not talking about the good goblins. At the end, you can see like him and Icarus are in the window, and they're like popping around to the music, and his mouth is clearly moving. Like he's clearly like supposed to be singing or something at the end of the movie, and they just stone cold cut it out. <laughs> they were like, "No, this is a bridge too far. <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap this shit up." I did like uh, Flip's giant Cheech and Chong sized cigar. That, yeah, that was cool. That was pretty fun. Exploded into like yeah. a firework. <laughs> it looked like it was the royal scepter. So he basically uh, 
made a, a scepter joint and uh, smoked it. Good for him. He deserves it. So this movie, the estimated budget. Now, I don't know if this is true. This may require a little further research, but this shows the estimated budget was $35 million. It could be because it took it some so long, right? I mean, yeah, a decade. Street value of cocaine was a little higher, I guess, back then. Or... <laughs> yeah, a decade. So I have the opening weekend in U.S. and Canada, $407,000. Yeesh. Yeah. Uh, gross worldwide. So I saw this. Maybe this was the gross worldwide opening weekend was $1.4 million. I think it made maybe $15 million, but I think that might include video sales. So there's a little bit of room for this movie in the video market because this is right at the start of the blockbuster era. And when Disney started getting popular again, this was one that they released. They released it in one of those um, white clamshell cases and people just bought it thinking it was a Disney. That also might be reflected in the audience score on the tomato meter, as well as that kind of resurgence of now people reviewing it because I'm guessing this was in a lot of people's homes growing up. And they just like, oh, yeah, I watch the movie all the time. That's good. But it was just there. Because Little Nemo, Adventures in Slumberland, an audience score of 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. 7.1 on IMDb. So people like this movie or remember liking it at the very least. It came out in Japan the same year as Kiki's Delivery Service. So like if you're like, well, that's all they could have. That's all they were doing back then for anime. Like, there's way better anime that came out that year. Right. Just did not widely released in America until, like, way later. I tried to get my hands on the Japanese cut, but I could not find it anywhere. I wonder if it has, like, a much different name. And if you're out there in um, radio internet land. Which one did we watch? It seemed like it was a million years long. Uh, I think there was 16 minutes cut. How long is it without the cut? Like an hour and 46. Oh, okay. Hour and 40 minutes? Yeah, this was like an hour and a half. I did read that they did release one that had the Japanese original on it, but it's, like, so rare to come across because it was a limited release, and, like, people mm. snagged them, and then they sell for, like, 400 bucks. I'm sure I could have found one. An archivist, if you will, might have put online. I went to the um, non-profit route. Nothing came up. I have to give you full disclosure. I didn't look very hard at all. I got the first one that I could find. And it was 30 minutes too long. <laughs> yeah. I can only imagine if there was 12 more minutes that it could possibly make it better. This movie is certainly an hour. A Christmas special. The only way I think you could have added some time, and I believe this is where your 15 minutes of Japanese cut is, is developing the character before Slumberland. So I'm guessing that 10 minutes has him stealing the pie, and there is a thing with his dad's job or whatever it is. And so that's that first 10 minutes before you get into Slumberland, because in this cut, you go straight to it. You start in Slumberland. So I believe there's probably a setup of the theme of promising. Cold open on the accident that did horribly disfigure his mother. <laughs> exactly. Because the promise was for children or whatever. So, yeah, there you go. I think that's all there is to say about this flick. Let's head to the comic convergence. Little Nemo is a pre-established character. A full-page weekly comic strip created by the American cartoonist and animator Windsor McKay in 1905. 
And in each installment, there's a boy named Nemo who dreams up a wild adventure, which always ends with him waking up at home in bed. I took that whole cloth from museumofdreams.org slash little Nemo in slumberland. <laughs> he always gets woken up, and it's fun at the end of the video game, at the end of each level, and at the end of each comic, Nemo gets woken up, either falling out of bed or getting yelled at. His mom. His mom will yell at him. Little Nemo in the Land of Wonderful Dreams. For you Deadwood fans out there, this actually appeared in William Randolph Hearst's newspaper, The New York American. That was a Hearst joint from 1911 to 1914. Spike Lee's coming after you, man. It's well regarded, and if you haven't, you should at least check out the Wikipedia because the artist, Windsor McKay, really was like kind of playing with the space and playing with comics being in this dream world. He would play with like the font and he would play with the frame sizes. So there would be the storytelling beats would happen, not just in picture, but the frame of the comic itself. So if he was growing in size, the frame would expand and get bigger. Or if he was shrinking, it would shrink down physically on the page as well. It was a lot of experiments, a lot of use of color. People regard the architectural design because it's lots of cities, lots of buildings and like sprawling vistas. And those are the kind of things, the kind of imaginative nature of it. It's a comic from the 1900s. So there's some problematic things in here. <laughs> Namely, it's a little racy. <laughs> Flip is like an Irish stereotype. There's another character, the squirrel character of Icarus. Is actually is is replacing Nemo's uh, more constant companion Impy, who is some racist stereotypes made into a comic character, as often happens. But there's lots of trippy stuff here. It looks cool if you're uh, into that sort of thing, architectural stuff or early comics. It's worth checking out. A lot of people were inspired by these comics in film, television, and, and in comics itself. There's lots of crossover here. There's actually some arcs where Little Nemo is in the Sandman comics and hangs out with that Morpheus. So it was like pretty psychedelic and trippy stuff for the 1910s. I'd like to see him hang out with the Matrix Morpheus. Well, now we're talking. What do you think Matrix 4 is about, baby? Take the red pill, you stay at home. <laughs> you take the blue pill, you're in slumberland. My favorite character from the comics actually was George Washington who was <laughs> actually a character in the comics, as well as his father. So I assume that there's a comic where Nemo goes into an area where George Washington, with the tree probably, because both George Washington and his father are listed as characters. It's a shame that that didn't make it to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Windsor McKay is also known for the comic strip called The Dream of the Rare Bit Fiend. And a rare bit is um, like a Welsh rare bit. It's uh, it's like a it's like a little meal. It's like a little melted cheese on on toast. I guess it's like a midnight snack kind of thing. So the idea, kind of the Dickens idea, is like a crumb of cheese, a spot of mustard, you eat a midnight <laughs> snack, you have a crazy dream. He's really fixated on these dreams. Then that guy. That was kind of his whole vibe because Nemo's first featured there, and then he kind of spins Nemo into his own character. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Nemo's popping up all over the place. He's pretty chill. Like I said, the game was uh, pretty well regarded, and uh, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft did a lot with dreams in a similar time. I wonder if they ever crossed paths. Lovecraft stuff that always is talking about the cyclopean architecture and things of that nature. Also very racist. And there's lots of. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the nineteen it's the nineteen hundreds, so I guess that is 
it's just a thing that uh, they put everywhere. Like it wasn't a thing, which is pretty spooky. <laughs> so there was a uh, a comic set released in the in like the early 2014s that was like it was titled Return to Dr- Slumberland. And I think the art style in those are super cool. But there obviously it wasn't by Windsor because he's dead. But it was like a rediscovery into them. And the art style of all of the characters are so much better. Especially like the princess and the king. I was looking at that a lot. A little less problematic. <laughs> a little less problematic. <laughs> so Impy's not in that? Impy's not in it. <laughs> he does not make an appearance. All right. Well, that is something to check out. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool large styles. Cruise the Wikipedia uh, at mm-hmm. the very least, I would say. Stick to the return. Yeah, stay short some modern edition, I think, might be your bet. All right. Well, it's time for our penultimate segment. This is the one where we tell you who our favorite hero is and who our favorite villain is. It's who's your hero? Who's your villain? <laughs> so repetitive. Do you like that? Yeah, you like that? <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to say it a third time, but I couldn't work it out. Jazama pajama, jazama pajama. Let's start with hero. Lindsay, do you want to go first? My hero actually was the librarian that dropped all of the books onto Nemo, mm. almost killing him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so close. She was a brave soul. Uh, I think she's my hero. She gave it a try. The royal scepter came closer to besting him. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then my villain is Morpheus for choosing some random kid off of the street instead of his own daughter to be his heir. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty rough. That definitely makes him villainous. In fact, that's who I had written down, so now I have to think again. My hero is the good goblins, which I decided on the spot, because they're so not good at their job that they have a prepped song about it. <laughs> People are people are gonna wonder why you know why we're okay to be around. It's I we better come up with a, a little jingle so that people realize we're just oh no we're not that scary we're really bad at what we do we're pretty cool which I again we're not those kind of goblins we're not those kind of goblins we're really bad at it we tried we can't do it sorry mm-hmm. I do like their vibe their morphing was cool um, mm-hmm. and they pretended to look like a tree which is also pretty dope and they stuck with them even though they like you said they didn't help them at all they were completely worthless in the good goblin's journey except that they were so helpless that king morpheus was willing to help the other goblin get to his friends i guess if that's what we're assuming happened cuz there's no other explanation as to why he shows up there so it <laughs> <laughs> just appears yeah big old plot hole that's the only logical thing I had a serious answer, and I was probably going to be Camille because she's great, and she really takes the reins of this situation. She really steps up as the leadership role when the king gets kidnapped because Nemo is a lunatic, and the professor just doesn't really have that kind of air about him. But I think I have to follow my heart and say my hero is that little frog that drives the (laughs) go-kart. He's living his best life. He is living his best life. He's driving that thing, him and Bon Bon. I like that big dinosaur whose only job is to hold up that canopy over the band. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some genuinely great little bits here, but if you could have cut that down to an hour, I think it still would have been great. All right. Well, I think my villain is actually going to be kind of a positive. I really love the Nightmare King. I thought his design was pretty great. He got beat down pretty easily, but I mean, that's going to happen. It's like destined to happen. He's not really dead. He's just waiting and biding his times because people are going to have nightmares. I mean, that's just inevitable. But I really loved his design. I liked his long arms. His chief lieutenant was a mute manta ray. So I really love that style. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, who got chopped up to bits. He did get chopped up to bits by a nine-year-old who was just screaming pajamas, but he's faded to It lose. is what it is. It's the cycle of things. I'll go my villain. I wanted to say Nemo, but in my heart of hearts, I know he is just like a nine-year-old kid. And then I wanted to say his mom who keeps making these nightmare pies. <laughs> but I think I'll go with Flip. I did like Flip half of the time, but he did find the most impressionable youth that he could find and did everything he could to have a bad impression on him. So that's the trifecta. Nemo sucks, but he's also a product of his environment. His mom, who does feed him nightmare pie. And Flip, who is a cigar-smoking clown who he listens to. (laughs) He was very trusting of people. Every stranger that walked up to him. Every stranger. No matter what they said they wanted to do with him, he was like, yeah, that's a great idea. It didn't matter if it was a great idea. (laughs) He was skeptical only until he realized there was like some jammy Dodgers in the mix. And he got cookies one time from someone and then trusted everybody. Again, very bad at keeping his promise. Like I said, I clocked 17 minutes between promise making and promise breaking. That's not a very long time. (laughs) No, it is not. He literally had to beeline to the door (laughs) in that amount of time to get there in 17 (laughs) minutes. He he might as well have run to the door he wasn't allowed to open. The only thing he was able to do successfully was find the one thing he wasn't supposed to do. But they turned it around at the end saying it was what he was supposed to do after all. He was destined to open the Nightmare Zone and fell the Nightmare King. So it's all good dreams from here on out. There's been multiple spinoffs and retellings. This is an IP that kind of sticks in the brain. You know, it makes you think like Dreamland is always a compelling space. But unfortunately, this was not a super compelling film. What are you talking about? I love this movie. Before we get into what we thought about this movie... And our if we would recommend it, let's check out what we'll be watching for next time. We had a little animation block with Cool World, Little Nemo, and this third one. And so the first two are kind of rough. But this third one, hopefully, we're going to bring it home. If memory serves me well, this is, should be a great watch. We're watching Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. The animated Batman movie. Very good. Batman the Animated Series. At least as I recall. It's been a while. I think it should be good. I mean, the series itself is always stellar. I mean, that holds up. After this movie, though. (laughs) Anything would be good. It's going to be pretty solid. (laughs) (laughs) After this, it can only go uphill. So we'll talk more about that. The only uphill thing that happened with this movie was like the Sisyphus rolling the stone uphill. Well... We will talk more about that on the next mini episode. So be sure to hit us up on Twitter to let us know what you think. And we will read those thoughts on the air. I mean, if you want, if you you don't want us to, just let us know and we won't. If you just want that to be a private message between us. Yeah, you could just DM us. We won't read that. I mean, we'll keep it between us about, I mean, if you really loved it and you're looking for help, let us know. We will help talk you off that particular ledge. (laughs) (laughs) So final thoughts. Lindsay, what did you think about Lil Nemo? And do you think uh, people should check it out? I think it obviously was destined to fail with everything that happened in production. And they had such a huge idea that they were forced to fit within a one hour, 30 minute time limit that I believe that they had a genuine like TV show that they were given to put this out on. And I know the creator wanted to make it a movie, but if he had just taken a little bit of a step away from that and made it into a TV show, 
I think there could have been so much, like, in terms of, like, the characters and the development. Much better sell. I agree. Episodic is definitely the way to go, because, like you said, every level in the game kind of had an interesting world-building aspect to it, and you end up back in your bed. So, you make every episode start Nemo in his bed, end with Nemo in his bed. He goes to different crazy dreams city. There's probably a million stories they could tell in that land. And that stupid key could come into play, finally. At all. Because if he gets the key from the (laughs) king, the key can take him into other people's dreams. Open other doors. I sat and I thought about this in the shower for a very long time. I've essentially ridden out a plot for a TV show. For <laughs> completely, completely ran out of hot water, drank four or five beers, and cried a lot. But I came up Just with a really good it. idea for a little Nemo and Slumberland TV show. <laughs> I patched all the plot holes. Yeah, see, and that is kind of what's great about this is the IP is rich. There's lots of stuff. It makes you think. I would say... Watch that first 15 minutes. Find it. I mean, don't buy it. But if you can Mm-mm. if you can get it to library or whatever. It's on YouTube. The first 15 minutes is great animation. And then, yeah, pitch us your episode, A Little Nemo. And I, here's what. Here's what I'll tell you. If you're out there and you work up a little spec script of a, a half-hour <laughs> Little Nemo episode, I will do it. If Even if it's only me doing voices in the basement, I'll, I'll do up a little radio drama of a Little Nemo spec script. So hit me with your best one. Twist it, make it whatever you want, please. No, 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 no. No, don't do it. Well, don't make it not whatever, whatever you, want. you want. Keep it out of parody porner. No, because I can think of like five different things. <laughs> yeah, keep it out of parody porner. We've got to keep this uh, nothing blue. I have a question about that. Do I do the parody porner now or do I wait till the mini? Because I got one for this. Oh, God. <laughs> wait for the mini. I'll tell you guys now it's Little Nympho in Lumberland. <laughs> Oh, that can't be true. <laughs> it's about a guy who goes to sleep and then just like, yeah. oh, exactly boy. what you imagine it to be. <gasps> oh my god! You've heard of a key party? <sighs> <laughs> Have you heard of a dragon-shaped key party? <laughs> there we go. It's a penis-shaped key party, obviously. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well, yes, yeah, keep that for the mini. That's got to be its own. We've really got to dive into that. Now, that's something to talk about. So I really like this movie. I thought it was great. I would say I recommend it to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, It's a prank. Yeah, it's a prank. Got him. There were so many ways this could have gone good. I unironically really enjoy animated Studio Ghibli movies are like a delight for me. Like I really, I watch them with my kids, but... I'd watch them by myself. They're good. The stories make sense. There's likable characters, characters you don't like. And I don't know, Little Nemo just didn't have any characters I really liked. I also think it's a product of its time because we're kind of spoiled now by animated Mm -hmm. movies. Like even from like just Disney, like you get stuff like Coco and it's like, that is a good movie that like has has soul to it. You know, it, it tells a story without just being like, hey, kids, don't do drugs. You know what I mean? Like there's something more behind it than just your basics thing. Mm-hmm. And this is a product of its time. Like, I agree with that to an extent. But I do think like Alice in Wonderland was already done before this, right? Much before this. And they do like almost the an identical theme and is done so much better. Much better. But cohesive plot. The source is better. Moves. I mean, Ghibli movies were coming out at the same time as this, you know? Right. I think any movie made over the course of a decade, I think, is going to struggle. You're right, yeah. What do you think? Is it is it worth checking out? On a lark, I would watch it with kids. 
Because they're going to get yeah. something, and they're going to enjoy something out of it, whether you do or not. And at least you can... I'd either watch it with my nephew, or I'd, like, watch it to drink and laugh at. That is something. <laughs> Make a game out of it with the yippies. I would say, yeah, this would be a good movie to just have on in the background with no sound. It might be more compelling. Soundtrack only probably would be more compelling. <laughs> yeah. You making up your own stuff. That'll just about do it for Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Uh, check us out on the next mini episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, very special thank you to Lindsay uh, for coming on the show and uh, talking about this and, and putting <laughs> putting yourself through this movie for uh, our entertainment purposes. Yes, thank you so much. I can't imagine making anybody else do this. <laughs> uh, well thank you for having me but i do not thank you for making me watch that movie <laughs> well we'll make it up to you well i'll, I'll send you the list of the the next uh, some movies coming up and you can uh, have your pick okay uh so we can get you on a movie that you that maybe you you dig a little bit more than this but until then where where can our friends uh reach out and find you on the interwebs pretty much all of my social medias are under uh swan with hands but my Twitch is Swan with Hands with an extra S at the end because I lost my original account. So Swan with Hands, that's where you find me. All right. Very cool. Let us know what you thought of Little Nemo and send us your spec scripts. You can uh, send it to us at Pod on Twitter or nerdaplexy at gmail.com. And uh, you can also find our social media manager, Dave. He'll be uh, siphoning through your messages. And you can find him at the face of Dave on Twitter. Uh, Sam, where can we, uh, Dirty Nerdies, reach out to you? Oh, I'm at uh, PGH underscore SVH on Twitter. Very rarely use it, if ever. So uh, give me an excuse. I've um, I've been I've been trying with some cross posting between Instagram and Twitter, and I'm gonna be having some new videos uh, coming out. You've probably seen on there, so be sure to check me out at pgh underscore read on Twitter. Uh, well, thank you very much for sticking around. Next time we've got Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, so that will finish out our animation block. But until then like to leave you with this thought to ponder <laughs> where do you think I can get me one of them big puff balls <laughs> oh yeah right get, get into that right out of the shower where can I get naked in one of those puff balls <laughs> <laughs>